So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and before we start the programme, first of all, I want to say thanks for listening. Um, And secondly, I want to explain why this is going to sound just a little bit different. Uh, We had to record this one across three continents, each person in a different place. When I say three continents, I'm I'm exaggerating, really, uh, to be honest. It is uh, maybe just two, or one, really, as everyone in Europe. Um, So I hope you enjoy it, and usual service will resume next week. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that starts halfway out of its grid slot and somehow gets away with it. Well, we're already doing a podcast to the side of our normal podcast, so we'll still do it at the same time. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that won't be delayed just because of some fog or international travel. My internet's fine, Phil. Phil? Phil's computer just crashed. Oh my god. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the Lance Stroll of F1 podcasts. There's a lot of promise, but it is not living up to the technological impact. (laughs) Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that will be much cheaper and simpler by 2021. Yogurt pots and string. I'm Chica Ed, and today, from the internet, we talk about the Chinese Grand Prix. Because we're all really busy people and too super important to be able to get together in a pub before Bahrain kicks off. But that isn't going to stop us from dissecting all the goings-on in Shanghai. Hamilton hits back, Verstappen throws some blue flags from his pram, and Sauber's newest recruit can't drive in a straight line. Plus, some of the latest news away from the tracks and a load of other pointless old shit that we fancy talking about. That's potentially all to come. Maybe. With me on the line is a motoring journalist who has been sampling the future. It's Phil Trovens. Hello, everyone. Yes, indeed, I have been sampling the future. I have been trying a Tesla Model X, which is the... uh, well, the most recent thing currently available from uh, Elon Musk's company, Tesla. Uh, and it's all electric, and it's got big Back to the Future style doors. And it's ridiculously fast and also ridiculously expensive. I've been sort of pootling around in a, with electric power, much like Formula E. I didn't quite have to jump out of one and into another halfway through my day, although I did nearly run out of power because it charges really slowly on normal electricity. But it was interesting. How long is the USB cable? Not quite long enough. 
how far in the future are we are we thinking? Well, actually, not at all in the future because uh, they're already on sale now, and they're bringing out another one later this year as well called the Model Three. You like it? I tried the first Tesla years ago, which was called the the Roadster, which is basically just a Lotus with a battery in it. But this was a proper sort of car, and it actually it, it was the first electric car I've tried where I've like, yeah, I could see I could see me having one of these for enjoyment as opposed to just sort of practicality and feeling better about myself. Alongside him, well, virtually, is our Italian correspondent reporting live from Ferrari's homeland. It's Terry Saunders. Forza Chica, ciao Phil. Um, past uh, my, I don't have good Italian. That's what I've learned this week. I, um, mm-hmm. I keep saying Spanish words and then just pointing <laughs> at the menu in English. I, I thought I'd have a, like a Ferrari tale to tell you, but um, I've been in Italy for a few days. I've not seen a Ferrari. I thought everyone would be walking around talking about Sebastian Vettel wearing red t-shirts. There's been nothing, nothing at all. I'm quite disappointed. This supposed to be our man on the ground. It's almost like Formula One is also not very popular in Italy as well as Britain. Where are you in Italy? Right now I'm in Genoa, Genoa, Genova, however you say it. Uh, I have been to <laughs> Milan and Milano, as you say it, or uh, as I say it, Milan. I've also been to uh, Lago di Como, which is uh, Lake Como, which is where George Clooney lives. And the whole lake is just filled with like Nespresso containers. It's disgusting. Milano is very close to Maranello. Did you did you swing by Maranello to see what was no, going on? I got on a train that almost went through Monza, but didn't. Hey, Chica. Yes. What have you been up to, apart from being somebody else last week? Yeah. Um, well, I'm back. <laughs> All right. And I'm not, I wasn't happy about last week. Um, I'm a very jealous and bitter person. But I was in New York. I saw Trump Tower, I ate a lot of steak, and now I'm back. It's good to not see you. Yeah, thank you. I look well. So, for the first corner pile-up, that is Listener's Corner, where we ask you what you think about F1 goings-on, and then watch as all the questions smash into each other. To Facebook, where through the carnage we find this actually rather sensible question from Ben Willis. Given DRS has less of an effect this year than last, do you think it should stay? Should it be made more effective to aid overtaking and the show, or should it be scrapped? And Ryan Simpson also got in touch with us, and he said, In 2017, overtaking is less common, but it is much more exciting when it does happen, and it's proper overtaking. The DRS helps the chasing driver get closer, but not go sweeping past on the straights like in previous years, which I think is arguably better. Ooh, Ryan, what do you think? I think Ryan's right. I think that DRS is actually being given a chance to shine this year. This is what it should have been like. But unfortunately, the wacky tyres of the last few years has meant that because people are on different tyre strategies, they could overtake anyway. So the DRS just made it laughable. Now it could actually be, I think DRS might be a good idea. What? Hang on a second. No, that sounds a little bit more mad. China has been better than Australia, which I think we can just write off as just a weird oddity of a track and nothing worked and nobody could overtake. I agree that it was better in China in that it was difficult to overtake, but possible, but you had to be a bit kind of gung-ho about it. But we're still, we've still got the, the fundamental problem that, that we need DRS for them to even get near. Like Even with DRS, it's still difficult. And it's still just a plaster over a big gaping wound. I think. I think without a fundamental redesign of the rules, we're still going to be sort of faffing around with what is essentially a gimmick. So, do you think they will redesign the rules? 
I think they will in the longer term. I mean, we talked about last week, Ross Braun is on it. He's getting committees together. He's sort of riding around like a sort of grizzled cowboy, like the mm. dad from Peppa Pig. Um, <laughs> and he's uh, he's going to sort it all out. But this season, I think there's just going to be a bit of tweaking to fettle things a little bit. Ewan McMorrow also got in touch and he said, is Jolian Palmer the worst British driver in F1 ever? Even Sky don't bother covering him. Even in a kind of wacky VT Hamilton would say no to. Do you want to start on this? Jesus Christ, he is a fucking penis. I hate that guy. (laughs) (laughs) He is bad, isn't he? You're allowed to be arrogant and moan when things are going wrong if you've Mm -hmm. proved yourself to be amazing. And, you Mm -hmm. know, like Alonso has got a bit of panache with his moaning because clearly he's doing well, but the team are doing shit. With Palmer, he's doing shit. The team are doing a great job fixing his cars, getting them going around. The other car's doing all right. And he's there moaning, going, oh, this isn't going very well. You're rubbish. All I can say to him is that the last person to treat this team like that was Paul DiResta, who now just looks just horribly miserable in front of that bloody telly in the sky thing, going, oh, I should have been there, but it's not. Palmer, just quit now because you're beyond useless. Right, I'm going to I'm gonna be controversial here. I'm going to come in in defence of Jolian Palmer. Because Jolian Palmer, if you remember, in 2014, he was GP2 champion and he beat Stoffel van Dorn and Felipe Nazar, at least one of whom is a future world champion. So I, but I've been doing a bit of digging. I think I found the worst ever British F1 driver in response to the if question. you say Nigel Mansell, um, I'm going to cut you. It was back in 1958, driving a Connaught, uh, entered the Monaco Grand Prix and the British Grand Prix only, didn't qualify for either of them, scored a grand total of no points in his World Drivers' uh, Championship career. And that driver's name was Bernard Charles Eccleston. You can't say he's the worst. You're I saying think that Bernie Eccleston is the worst British Jolian F1 driver ever. I think he was worse than Julian Palmer. Julian Palmer, in his career so far, how long has he been in F1 now? Like two years? He scored... Well, he scored one point, but that's one more point than Bernard Charles. Yeah, Bernie Eccleston is a business genius, though. What's to say that in the future... We're not going to see now. Now, this is a tricky one, as it concerns a person we no longer mention on FF1S, but Alan David correctly noticed that the Mercedes pit called Valtteri by his predecessor's name. Discuss. Yeah, that was slightly was embarrassing, brilliant. It? it? was kind of like... When you call someone an ex's name, you know? I don't know, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, Kevin, you know, when... um, <laughs> Do you mean in the throes of passion? Um, well, but, yeah, it sounded pretty just, passionate. He would, he'd have been there going, right, I'm, I'm Bottas's race engineer now. I've got nothing to do. You know, he's <laughs> down in 10th. I don't know, um, he's not going to win the race. So he's probably just flicking through... <laughs> Instagram going... Oh, we're not supposed to say his name, Terry. Oh, bloody hell. So he's flicking through what's-his-name's Instagram going, oh, I really miss him. And then suddenly, you know, oh, Nico, you've got to do something. Oh, uh, no. Oh. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's love her. You know, let him be. Could have been worse. Could have called him mum. No, mum would have no. been better. So in other news, we should be getting cheaper, noisier engines by 2021. The FIA met with the engine manufacturers and reached a broad agreement that there will be a new direction away from massively expensive and complicated powertrains. Could that mean the end of hybrids? Well, theoretically, it could, because let's face it, making an engine a hybrid mm-hmm. makes it a hell of a lot more expensive. And this is all part of the cost-cutting thing that's been going on for God knows how long and got absolutely nowhere because everyone in F1 is massively incompetent. But now that Ross Braun and Chase Carey are in charge, 
maybe maybe it'll be slightly less complicated. But uh, it's a tricky one because road cars are inexorably going towards uh, electrification, hybridization, and the manufacturers want F1 engines to be road relevant. So if you're going to Sorry, keep road, them happy, there's got to be that kind of stuff in. Road relevant, as in, as in they, they could drive it after it's retired on the motorway. <laughs> Not necessarily, although there are a couple of supercars being uh, being prepared with F1 similar type powertrains. But no, it's more the fact that, you know, Mercedes can say, you know, look, we make hybrids and they're in our F1 cars and they're also in our road cars and you can buy them and you can basically buy F1 cars. Yeah. And, you know, that's not really the case. It's it's as much about marketing as it is about technology. But if, if F1 goes against that, which is what people are suddenly, well, not suddenly, people are saying, you know, oh, let's go back to V8s and V10s and stuff. It'll be a lot cheaper, definitely. But then there's a danger that the manufacturers won't be as up for it. And, and as we all know, manufacturers can come and go. But that's a separate issue in that, does it matter that manufacturers go? Do we need manufacturers in F1? It's a relatively recent thing where everything's been sort of driven by the likes of Mercedes and Renault and so forth. Back in the day, it was just teams and independent engine manufacturers like Cosworth or Hart or whoever. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. They've been banging this drum for years that cars have got to be road relevant, all the engines, all this kind of stuff, all going to go away. And now they're all saying it's got to go away. I, for years, have been going, yeah, it's got to be road relevant because that sounds like a, it's alliteration. And now everyone's going, it's going to be back to normal. I think the problem with it going back to old-style engines is it will become so irrelevant that it will just become like... Formula Masters, it'll just be like Putin. Oh, God, Formula One, they still use uh, petrol engines. Oh, God, how, how wacky. It'll just be like a, a hipster bespoke artisan Formula One championship. And Formula E is going to be all cool because it will have lasers. So I think this is a bad mm. idea. Well, this is the gist of the problems, really. I mean, back in the day, they were just kind of engines. You know, there wasn't, you know, an engine was an engine and it hadn't really changed that much in, you know, 50, 60, 70 years since the start of the 20th century. But now the road side of things and Formula One at the moment is going rapidly towards electrification. Um, so where do we want to see Formula One go? Can it can it stay road relevant without becoming Formula E or... or should it go in a different direction? And, and what can it do without being unbelievably expensive to the point where only enormous corporations can can compete in it? So it's, it's a weird one, and I don't really know what's going to happen. But it's going to be very interesting to sit on the sofa eating popcorn and watch. Definitely. The FIA has shown teams and drivers a new cockpit protection concept called The Shield. Do we care about this, Phil? This is all part of the, the sort of post-Bianchi stop drivers getting hit on the head by stuff. Uh, things that's, that that have been going on for a couple of years now, and this is the latest thing. So I don't, I haven't actually seen a picture of this, and I don't know if uh, one has actually been released. But the teams and the drivers, I believe, have been shown this sort of thing, which is sort of you remember you've got that you know the halo, the thing that looks a bit like a flip flop, and then you've got the the F F uh, Red Bull had that sort of sort of fighter jet style thing at the front that was like a big windscreen. This is apparently a smaller version of that. Uh, that looks a bit better and is meant to meant to protect people from bouncing tires or debris or whatever. Um, but it did seem that uh, not many people were very pleased with it. Magnuson said he didn't like it and it would be rubbish when it was wet. And I don't know. I'm. It seems like to be fair with me. After after Bianchi died, it seemed like everybody was was. Oh, we've got to do something. We've got to uh, close cockpits. This is the way to go. Mm. But nobody seems to be talking about it quite as much. It seems to me that enthusiasm for this sort of thing has waned. What do you guys think? But why is it waned? Because no well, one's had their head hit for ages and Formula One drivers just forget about it. 
You wait till the next person gets their head in, then we'll be talking about it. So do you think that we should ignore the Formula One drivers and tell them you we're going to stop you from getting your heads hit? Uh, I mean, personally, I don't think there's any need for it. I think that what happened to to Justin Wilson and to to Massa and to and to Bianchi and so on were all very tragic incidents. But at the end of the day, motorsport is is dangerous, and if you're going to sanitise it to the point where we, you know, that there's no danger at all, then then what's the point? I think it's still so safe compared to so many other sports that it's just it's unfortunate and you should try and do everything to remedy it but you know unless we're going to just make them close cockpit cars which you know is is another thing then i don't know i'm just it seems just like a rid of a weird knee-jerk reaction to one or two awful tragedies that is not necessary for formula one and doesn't suit formula one tell us how wrong we are you can tweet us at for f1's sake or find us on facebook where we're ff1s or you can email us because nobody does, at wrong at ff1s.com. All right, let's move on to talking about the teams. We will start with Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton made it look easy. Nico Bottas made everything look pretty hard. Is this settling down already to be a championship of number one drivers in top two teams? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, this is just—it's a bit embarrassing for the, the Finnish drivers because they are barely finishing. It's going to be Hamilton versus Vettel, isn't it? Really? I mean, the Red Bulls aren't quick enough. But, but Hamilton and Vettel look pretty pretty happy with uh, with fighting each other, in, and I think that's in Q three though. What's going to happen in in qualifying? Bottas was a thousandth of a second slower than Vettel, so I think we're being a bit presumptuous here. I think we should wait. But that's over the course of one lap. It's very different getting in one flying lap to doing an entire race. I mean, for God's sake, Bottas spun behind the safety mm, car. That was a... Mm. Um, he's new in this car. Oh, he's not. He's, he's so new in this car, but he's not new to driving fast cars, is he? He's so closely shaven, all right? Like, give the man a break. <laughs> he's had his face lasered. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be Hamilton versus Vettel this season. I'm calling it now, two races in. Me too. Let's talk about Ferrari. It's going to be Vettel versus Hamilton. I'm calling it now, two races in. Kimi is... What would you say? Just whatever disappointing things happened in your life or whenever something you bought that was good that has worn out and you see it shabby on the shelf and you have to bid it. Whenever you chuck something that you remember buying in a shop going, this used to be great, that's Kimi Räikkönen right now. He is like an iPod. He's a Walkman he's <laughs> in an age of Spotify. He is a... Go home, Grandad. He's never terrible. He's not terrible now. But I, don't, I think, I think he, his world championship flatters him. Uh, and I don't think he's on a par at all with with Vettel, and I think the results are mirroring yep. that. He's interesting to watch. He's a bit of a character. But... I like his radio messages. Um, he's the he's the comedy sidekick. Mm, he's yeah. Sid Little. Vettel's <laughs> Eddie Large. So what, what about Vettel? What did you think about him? He did all right. I thought he was quite lucky not to get a get a bit of a bollocking for that start he made, where he was basically he sidled up next to Hamilton. Went all right. I'm going to start here. <laughs> yeah, did he actually yeah. explain why he got that so wrong? It was deliberate. Apparently, there was a there was a, a dry patch next to sort of still still not any further forward than he should have been, but further sideways. And he thought, oh, I'm just going to start there where it's dry, so I'll get a better start. I mean, it didn't work. He still got out dragged by Hamilton down to the line, but. Uh, I think if he does that again, he'll be in trouble. There was an interview uh, on, I think it was the BBC, with Mika Salo, who's the head, head steward, who said uh, he got lucky this time. He won't be lucky next time. Ooh. Bitch. To be fair, though, they didn't move him, though. 
They, if they had a problem with it, they should no, have said I, at the time. They should have got a marshal. Well, they I, should have got a marshal just to go out and then just push the car sideways. <laughs> that would have shown them. I was quite surprised he didn't get some sort of penalty. I have to say, I thought he was going to get five seconds or something like that. Red Bull. Max Verstappen showed both sides of his character by driving heroically through the field from 16th on the grid before chucking away second place when he overcooked it at the end of the back straight. Ricardo looked like he couldn't hang with the young Dutchman until the end when he was swarming all over the back of him. Should Danny Rick have done better? Yeah, yes. Danny Rick needed to beat him. This is just like a penis swinging contest. This is going to be like what happens to the rest of the season. I think that's the technical term. So the rest of the season, it's going to be a like who who bashes their penis against. I don't know. I don't know what they do at the Red Bull, but certainly. It's- so, so you were saying? So they were both swinging their penises in this one. Or one yes. was swinging. I don't understand this reference. They were both swinging them, and right. Max's hit the target, <laughs> and Danny's didn't. There's a target in it? Yes, the target is they've got to get it right up the back of uh, the other car. <laughs> Wait, well, I wonder where that was going for a second. <laughs> I think this was uh, move, moving swiftly on. I thought this was massively impressive by Verstappen, apart from that one mistake where he just lost it at the end of the back straight. Other than mm. that, uh, it was pretty, pretty vintage. Well, I mean, relatively vintage as he's still 12, but it was it was excellent Verstappage. Uh, and Ricardo didn't look bad. I mean, he finished fourth, but Verstappen was... To, to, to lose... To start fifth and finish fourth is fine. He's got a place. But when your teammate, who's half your age, starts sixteenth and finishes ahead of you, uh, I think Ricardo's going to have to find another gear from somewhere. Mm. Williams, wealthy new boy Lance Stroll, got a shakedown from Perez, who punted him off the track as a demonstration of what would happen if he didn't hand over his pocket money. Meanwhile, Massa was massively underwhelming and finished last but one. Once again, the Williams is utter rubbish in the wet. Is it time to be disappointed again? Did we expect anything else? Well, Lance Stroll got into Q3, which is actually quite impressive. Let's give him credit where it's due. Then he totally mucked it up on the first lap. And the Williams are always terrible in the wet. And Massa is just old. Are we upset with Stroll for crashing? Or do we think it's entirely it Perez's fault? When they slowed it down and all, it showed that it was Stroll's fault. He was going in front of him. Oh, interesting. See, I thought it was about probably 80-20 Perez's fault <gasps> in that in the, you, you, well, you could argue slightly that Stroll maybe should have guessed that he would be there or seen him, but really it was a move that was never on, so I'd still probably blame Perez. But I thought the decision not to take any action was probably the right one. Racing instant. Next. Sauber! Just before you go out to Sauber, yeah. kind of, is someone clapping or hitting their like hand against something? Sorry, I'll stop it. Is that you, Chica? What Why yeah. is that noise? Popping bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm shaking a tub of gravel as well. Sorry about that. the arches. At what point did you think that wouldn't be picked up on the microphone? Hang on, I was going to do some My- drilling. <laughs> <laughs> you guys carry on. I've got band practice, but it'll be fine. All right, leave it, yeah. Marcus Ericsson pootled about at the back, but we need to talk about Pascal. Terry's favourite Mauritian German driver was absent once again and is surely doing his career no favours. Luckily, his replacement, Antonio Giovinazzi, covered himself in disgrace by covering the main straight with bits of smashed Sauber, not once, but twice. 
So listener James Piddock said to us, has Pascal been thrown a lifeline now that his replacement keeps chucking his car at the wall? It wasn't good for Giovinazzi, was it? He uh, he was last week super impressive. My God, you got in the car with no experience and you've managed to nearly qualify, had nearly qualify ahead of your team, but not actually. Oh, that's amazing. He's a Ferrari driver. What? Is he going to replace Kimi Raikkonen? No, he's going to crash twice like a fucking idiot. <laughs> in a straight line as oh, well. Oh my God. <laughs> it wasn't like he lost it around a really difficult corner. And the worst thing is, did you see the uh, the, the, the mechanic like, engineer bloke's reaction on the video when they did the replay? It, was, it wasn't a kind of, oh my God, is he all right? It was a, fuck's sake. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's gone. Bye. It's it's an interesting little thing going on there at Sauber, because I, 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 leaving aside Giovinazzi for a second, what the fuck is Verline playing at? He's got a bad back. There must be surely... He's got a bad back. He's signed something. off by his doctor. Weber raced with a broken leg, for God's sake. Weber raced with a broken leg. Weber's not a looker, is he? It seems to me that there should be a certain element of manning the fuck up. The thing is, Weber's not a looker. Weber hasn't got a promising modelling career after Formula One. (laughs) 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 But if that caught... Like, it's his back, you know. Backs are important parts of bodies. I I, I slipped a disc last year, so I'm well aware of how painful it can be. But I'm pretty confident that if somebody... Offered, yeah, if somebody had offered me a Formula One drive last year, or even this year, I'm just I'm still available. With a slip disc. Oh, you hero! I'd have been straight in there, and it does seem weird that Verline. It seems to me that there's something a bit more going on here. I don't oh, know. What I think what it is is I think he's signing on, and <laughs> <laughs> benefit from it. I think they've backed around and said oh, we've got rumours that you've got another job, and so he's just said, "Oh, can I just not do a couple of races so I can get my doll." <laughs> It's weird for Verline. If he come when he comes back now, if he comes back now, he's really going to have to start blowing uh, <laughs> well, Eric's out the water. <laughs> As I said, I knew what the reaction was going to be. So but he's he's really going to have to basically stomp Ericsson into the dirt now because because this has sort of put a big question mark above him in in my book. But just on Giovinazzi, I thought apart from apart from when he crashed twice in a straight line and destroyed the car in two mm. consecutive days, he did quite a good job. <laughs> <laughs> and Trump is a very good president. Next. <laughs> Force India, I thought it was an excellent race from both Perez and Ocon. What did you think? A, a good bit of uh, stroll bashing by Perez and then some good overtaking. It's a funny one with Force India because they're just back in that position of they're not going to quite be near the front, they're not going to be near the back, they're entertaining. What do they want, though? They are broke pink. They've they got points. Yeah, They want points is what they, they want. They did it. They did that. Well done, then. They were pink and thrusting throughout the race. Hey! And Ocon came up. Hey! So I don't really remember masses of what Hayes got up to, apart from Grosjean's got points on his license for not slowing enough when Giovinazzi crashed. Yeah, this was the first time he crashed. And it's weird because Grosjean is the hero of Hayes and he hasn't got any points. And Magnussen, who's frankly a bit shit, has just crept in and got a couple of points today. So, oops, embarrassing. All right, Renault. Um, we'll go back to Palmer here. Joyless Palmer is taking his passive aggressiveness to new levels with comments like... I'm surprised we're not boxing in this lap. Can anyone at Renault possibly like him? Also, Hulkenberg, thank you, Hulkenberg (laughs) raced around Palmer, picked up two penalties for overtaking under every kind of safety car and still finished ahead of his dick teammate. Yeah, Palmer is just, I can't imagine that anyone in that team likes him. And if we've got anyone listening that's from Renault, you can send us a coded message or just, um, fuck it, no one likes him. Just just tweet us, say we hate him. Great, thanks. (laughs) Toro Rosso. 
comically poor start from Sainz on the wrong tyres. It was the kind of hero to zero decision that went from bad, whole field overtaking him, to worse, spinning. Still, it gets us talking about him. What did Kvyat do this weekend? I've forgotten. Well, Kvyat had hydraulics problems and uh, didn't have a very interesting race. But I, I think that the, the, the start, science's start, I think, is going to be uh, something we look back fondly on for several <laughs> yeah. seasons to come. It was just absolutely yeah. brilliant. He was just like, "Fuck it, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going for it. I'm going to go on the the slick tires." Okay, there are literally puddles on the track. I'm going to go on the slick tires. And not only did he get an absolutely abysmal start and go absolutely nowhere, he then sp- spun at the first corner. And then once he'd rescued the spin, he then drove into the wall. <laughs> it was just a sort of Benny Hill style, appallingly poor and hilarious. It was a Formula One equivalent brilliant. of playing pool, hitting the cue ball as hard as you can, potting something and then putting the cue ball. That was it. Terrible. <laughs> well, the cue ball came back and hit him in the face <laughs> or something. But what after that, he actually had a really good race well. and somehow finished seventh. McLaren, it is the fourth year in a row that they haven't finished at Shanghai. Alonso has again called it one of the best races of his life, which proves he's really taking the piss now. He did heroically get the car into seventh place and then implied that Bottas had damaged it just because how else could the McLaren be that close to the Mercedes? Because Bottas spat and I think he would end up near Alonso and Alonso... Bottas took ages to get past Alonso. And then when he did get past, Alonso was just there going, oh, has he got damage? Because uh, he should have got past much easier, <laughs> but I'm just so fucking good. <laughs> so um, well, I'm going to talk more about Alonso in the state of everyone, but this is just, it's beyond embarrassing. What was interesting about McLaren uh, this time is that uh, I believe Alonso's failure was a drive shaft failure, which isn't an engine problem. That's a car problem. But wasn't it? Uh, admittedly, Snuffle Ruffles. Was an so wasn't it just but. after there was that he did that kind of crazy trying to not get overtaken by was it signs I can't remember, and then it was just after oh, that yeah. <laughs> he, uh, his car broke. It was like the engineers were going right. Alonso, the car's fine this week, but just don't steer heavily. <laughs> That'd be okay because <laughs> steering heavily does break the car. Going fast around racetracks is uh, just, is not, it's just not designed for that. All of which takes us to the standings with Terry Saunders. In joint first position is Really Love Racing This Guy. Both of them have got 43 points and they're being too nice to each other. In third position is, can someone move the people in front of me in the championship out of the way? In fourth place is Nico. I mean, not Nico. In fifth is, I'll oh, just fuck off, will you? And in sixth with 12 points is, my shoe is dry. Conversely, in the next place, which I've forgotten, is, uh, where's Espadrilles in the rain? That's Carlos Sainz, doesn't know what footwear to wear. Uh, Massa is how am I doing so well in the next place and Perez this is the chance you were looking for I am on holiday I've been drinking a lot of wine how has this been the first has driver to score points has four points Daddy K has two points and Emilio Estevez is bringing up the rear with two points also and the constructors I've broken the teams down into what their drivers are like so in the lead of the championship is one good driver one okay driver with 66 points. Second place is one good driver, one that's passed his best, 65 points. Third place, two good drivers, although one is a bit better with 37 points. Fourth place, two drivers on the way to Formula E with 12 points. And in fifth place, a good driver with 10 points. In sixth place, no good drivers, eight points. And in seventh place, pretty other rear, uh, two drivers who won't be with this team if it ever gets good, four points. Now 
is time for the 2017 FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League powered by Grid Rival. So we're still waiting for the results to come in from the Chinese Grand Prix, but Terry is going to fill the time with some of the more amusing team names. Well, what I've done this week, I've gone through our league, which you can get to by going to ff1s.com forward slash Grid Rival. And I've gone for the team names in our league that uh, use drivers' names in a punny way. So... Here's a shout out for these teams. Well done for using drivers' names. We have Vettel Late Than Never. <laughs> Good. Vettel the Devil You Know, that Carly Minogue song. I'm Pastor Caring is another team, which uh, <laughs> makes, me, makes me win. Uh, my, I think my favourite team name, Race Weekend at Bernie's. Well done. Um, <laughs> uh, Verlin Around, Verline Around, Line Around, Verline Around. Um, yeah. I've, I've, oh, yeah. I, took, I didn't get that the first time. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the pronunciation. Think it. F Juan. Which uh. I'm hoping is Juan Pablo Montoya. And finally, Verstoffel Waffle Waffle. Verstoffel Waffle. Stoffel Waffle, not Ruffle. Waffle. So they've got our catchphrase wrong. Verstoffel Waffle. Waffle Waffle. So we're going to have a proper roundup of the uh, results of the Chinese Grand Prix in the next podcast. But you should join the league if you haven't already. You can do that by, as Terry said, going to ff1s.com forward slash grid rival. And it doesn't matter that you haven't done the races already so far because it doesn't matter. It does some sort of average things. So you will not be in last place. Well, you could be if you're really bad, but maybe not. Anyway, so that is it. That is 2017 FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League powered by Grid Rival. And next we have Terry Saunders with the state of F1. What do we do about Alonso? When, in 2015, McLaren took the brave step to power their Formula 1 cars with just nostalgia, no one knew just how terrible it would be. 1989, they shouted. We thought this was a reference to the glory years, when in fact it's the average gap in seconds to the Mercedes. Honda, they cried, before they actually started to properly cry. Alonso, the double world champion who gave McLaren a shitty year the first time round and exactly no world championships. Everything was set for the utter disaster it's turned out to be. Honda have learned nothing, Alonso is openly advertising his services, and yet they still believe they're the best team in the world, as do I. Speaking from Italy right now, McLaren's demise really hurts. But let's focus on Alonso. Like Williams, McLaren can probably chumba-wumba their way back around for another decade or so before magicking it all back, but Alonso is very much on his way out of Formula 1. Whether it's zero years or five, the man who won the 2005 and six championships has never looked further away from becoming a hat-tricker. Why? Well, let's be honest, he's a bit of a dick, but rightly so. He wrestled a Minardi in his first Formula 1 season to incredible results, won two championships with Renault, then moved to McLaren for a glory year that Lewis Hamilton ruined and Alonso sulked. Then he went back to Renault, tail between his legs, and was absolutely not involved in the Crashgate cheating scandal, allegedly. In 2008, his car was rubbish, and he sulked. Then he signed with Ferrari, had a couple of good years, but ultimately never won the championship, and then sulked in public because the team was shit. Now back to McLaren, where he started sulking almost on day one and hasn't quit since. So where's left for him to go? Nowhere. Mercedes had the chance to get him, but chose not to. Ferrari won't have him back. Surely he can't go to Renault again. Haas is backed by Ferrari, Red Bull aren't interested, and Williams already have a failed Ferrari driver in their midst. He's staying with McLaren because no one else will have him. And to be honest, that's terrible for Formula One. But don't worry, I have a solution. He should quit, like yesterday. He should go away for a year, get fit, have some plastic surgery, curl his hair and disappear. 
Coincidentally, next year, Mercedes will have a shock signing of a new driver with curly hair called, I don't know, Michael Knight. Michael will be the first driver unable to speak thanks to a childhood trauma and therefore not want to piss everyone off. Job done. So that's it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about uh, the massive delay to the start of the Grand Prix weekend caused by fog and a lack of helicopters, which seems a massive flaw that if the helicopters can't take off, nothing can happen at all. Uh, This might be my excuse for not going to work on Monday is that my helicopter couldn't take off. And to Terry Saunders. I thought we'd almost made it onto the Formula One commentary because... uh, David Croft on the Sky commentary was saying about, there's a sign in the stand saying, stop a Van Dorn, the flying waffle. And I really thought he said stop a waffle. So you can imagine how disappointed I am. <laughs> Some fucking idiots have come up I with... I do quite like stop yeah, it's a much better catchphrase. It's much better than ours. But um, if you want to get... It's also potentially marketed. It could be. We could make a t-shirt. But if you yeah. want to get a stop a waffle t-shirt, go to ff1s.com forward slash shop, shop, shop. We'll be back in a week's time, surrounded by pints in an actual pub in real life to talk about the next F1 race in a country with dubious human rights it is Bahrain in the meantime check out our Facebook page it's facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake and follow us if you're not already do it on Twitter we're at for F1's sake I've been Chica Rez goodbye bye goodbye Sports Social Podcast Network